We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, everyone. Before we get into today's pod, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone an opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. On top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. The best part is you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate that any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup alone. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com join. Check out that description box to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com dot com slash join welcome irish fans to another edition of the irish breakdown podcast i I'm Vince D'Addario. I am the football analyst here at irishbreakdown.com. And with me, as always, is the publisher of irishbreakdown.com. And his name is Brian Driscoll. And between the two of us, the dynamic duo of irishbreakdown.com, we are going to bring you our predictions for the Notre Dame-Alabama college football playoff semifinal game that is going to take place January 1st at 4 o'clock in the afternoon down in Dallas. At the Rose Bowl. And I mm-hmm. say, I've said that like 10 so times, weird. and it just it still doesn't work for me. Uh, but the Rose Bowl is taking place in Dallas, and uh, Notre Dame is going to partake in that game for the first time, I think, believe, I believe, since 1925 uh, that they are in the Rose Bowl. So, Head coach for Notre Dame in 1925 was? Uh, Newt Rockney. There you go. Yes! I don't like that you said that with a question mark sound at the end, <laughs> but, you know, it's all good. You got it right. That's well, it. trivia is not my bag. And if you ever have a silent time with Sean Styers, he will tell you that trivia is not my bag. Uh, that was a very embarrassing portion of my life back in 2004. But I digress. <laughs> <laughs> 
now now i'm curious i'm gonna text sean right now real quick Give me a second. you probably should shoot um, a quick email but anyway you and i have dissected this game mm-hmm. from every which away and if you haven't heard our podcast go back and listen we break down the uh, notre dame's offense versus alabama's defense uh, Alabama's from a matchup offense. standpoint, diving into the X's and O's, schem- schematics, really diving into co- the coaching aspect of it. We're breaking and down film. Absolutely. Yep. And then what are the keys for success on Notre Dame's side uh, on both sides of the ball? Mm-hmm. So th- those are podcasts that are already up. Four uh, of them. So, yeah. yeah. Hey. Well, matchup scheme on both sides of the ball and then keys to success on both sides of the ball. So, so And not just keys to success, keys to victory. Absolutely. And because that is attainable in my opinion. Yeah, no doubt. And if you so, if you're driving down to Dallas, uh, just go ahead and throw us on because we'll keep you company the whole way down, baby. Well, especially as much as I like to talk, you know, our podcasts <laughs> tend to be longer. So if you're on a road trip, it's even right. better. I'm telling you. Yes, it's my long windedness can come in handy in situations <laughs> like that. You have kept me company on numerous trips down to Indianapolis with my son. So that's why I do what I do, whether you knew it or not, my friend. You kept me company. So. Um, so, yes, today we are going to hit the predictions. Uh, but before we jump in too deep, we want to make sure that we hit one of our sponsors. And our first sponsor of the day is from Indeed. 2020 has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. And Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site. And that's according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. And unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. And now Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria. You can contact them the moment you sponsor a job making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. According to Comscore, 73% of online job seekers in the U.S. are visiting Indeed each month. So it's clear Indeed can help you get the quality hire you need. That's why more than 3 million businesses worldwide use Indeed for hiring. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions do apply. Okay, Irish fans, it is that time. We are going to give our score predictions. And then we are going to tell you why we gave our score predictions. Mm -hmm. So, uh brian do you want to lead us off here no you kick it off first buddy you go first okay uh well let me just preface this with the fact that uh this was probably the hardest prediction i've ever had to write up as a notre dame fan as a notre dame analyst and i i I went through everything we've talked about over the last week and a half and my prediction to this game for this game is notre dame 17 alabama 45 Okay, I thought you were about to say 17-14 or something like that, and we we're about to have a problem. Um, <laughs> no, no. Like, so what's the court? What's the score in the second, in the third, and the fourth quarters <laughs> going to be? Um, that would have been my first quarter score. Okay, okay. Uh, but no, I, 17 Alabama 45. 45, Notre Dame 17. That's what I've got, yes. All right. 
I'm going to give you two scores. Oh, I knew okay? you were going to do this. Because I can. I knew it. And, and, and I'm going to take a different route. Initially, I was going to go kind of like my heart versus my head. And I'm not going to do it that way. I'm going to go about it this way. Because I, I have a point to make, and I'll get to it when okay. we get into why I'm predicting these scores. My first score is going to be based on what I think can happen if Notre Dame plays their game based on the fact that I think these rosters are a lot more even than people think. And I'm, I'm going to explain that when we get into this, this part of the prediction. And in that prediction, I'm going with Notre Dame 37 to 34, okay, uh, in the upset. Yeah. In the second prediction, I'm going to go with my score based on history, recent history of the Brian Kelly tenure, based on my lack of proof that this offense can play well in this kind of game for Notre Dame, and then that the burden that they're going to put the defense in. And in that version, I'm going Alabama 47, Notre Dame 20. And I, and I don't think it's going to be overly close in that scenario. I think it'll be close early because I think the Notre Dame defense will play well, but I think in the end I'm going with 47 to 20. That's based more on history mm -hmm. and in, in lack of evidence of Notre Dame doing what I think they're capable of doing. Sure. And I'm well, going to explain the difference between the two yeah. when we kind of dive into how we think this game is going to play out. Well, just just to comment quickly on that – uh, your second score prediction is very close to my score prediction. And I'm and, looking at it the same way you are. That's and, and your that's, fear, right? That, that's exactly. We've talked about this game a lot the last two weeks, Vince. Right. Not just in the on the air, but, you know, we talk a lot off. And I know where you're coming from. We're on the right. same page. We look at the film. We look at the stats. We've both, I mean, you've probably watched more film of, of Alabama than you have anybody all season. Absolutely correct. And, and, of course, you've watched every snap that Notre Dame has played. So yep. I know that you believe what I believe, which is this is a lot closer matchup than people think. No, I still no think doubt. Bama's the better team. I think Bama's the best team in the country. Sure, I agree with that. And so, and, I'll, and as I've said in other shows, if Notre Dame gives them a four-quarter game and loses, then I'm going to tip my cap to the Notre Dame team and, and say, hey, great job, guys. You, you, you know, you, you ended this season – in an impressive fashion, you know, yeah. you gave the best team in the country everything that they can handle. But I and I do think that Notre Dame can win this game, and I believe because Notre Dame has been in more battles, I think this year that if it is a fourth quarter game, I think they got a chance to pull it out, which is why I went with the upset in my other one. But now I do know that where you're coming from, Vince, and it is not you do not think that Alabama is necessarily 28 points better than Notre Dame talent-wise. I don't. Just, not even close to that. There, uh, You know, if we're taking our fan hat off, right, and we're looking at this from an analyst, hey, that's not a fan hat, buddy. That's a work <laughs> hat, baby. Um, you know, if we're taking our fan hat off and we're putting on our former coaches and, and analysts right. and really diving in the film hat, you know, that's where the, 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 the more blowout score comes from. It's not because either of us think that Alabama is a four-touchdown better football team from a talent standpoint. I think they're a better coach football team, and I think they're a more proven football team in these types of games, and that's why I went with what I went with. And that's just what Notre Dame has done. Well, and they, they haven't been in this situation. There's been really one time they've been in this situation against a team that I viewed as a legitimate championship caliber team, which was healthy, that they didn't get blown out. And in, that was in 2014 when they played Florida State. That was it. 
I don't count Georgia as being that same kind of team because no, Georgia I, has zero titles and Georgia's yeah. not a championship caliber team yet. Right. Um, right. You know, and in, in Clemson, I still think it's a really good team, but is, is anyone picking Clemson to win the national title if DJ Uangalele is still their quarterback right now? That's pretty good, by the way. Good job. He, he, what I'm, I'm tr- I've been practicing. I'm like in the <laughs> mirror, like, okay, how do I say this? Um, no, they wouldn't. I mean, is, are right. they still a really good team? Yeah, are they still a top yeah. five to ten team? Absolutely. But right. it, they're, they're not the same with, as they are with Trevor Lawrence. Now, they may be when DJ's a sophomore or junior, you know, if he becomes a senior. Two which, years from now, I think they're going to be pretty sure, good. Yeah. Sure, Notre Dame has to play them two years from now. I'm, I'm aware. Same year that they play Ohio State. Uh, but, um, you know, that's the thing is the only team where you say that boy, that's a championship caliber team and Notre Dame went toe to toe with them was 2014. And I'm hopeful that, that this team can do that. But the difference is that was a little bit more of an explode, potentially explosive kind of offense. Whereas I don't think this team, this team is, is quite that, you, you know, uh, but they've just been blown out so many times that it's hard for me to justify as an analyst that this game is going to be competitive. But, you know, as far as looking at trends and history, right. I also see as an analyst that there are some areas where Notre Dame has significant advantages and against Alabama and other areas where they have slight advantages against Alabama, which I don't necessarily know was necessarily the case, except maybe one or two spots in 2012 or even against Clemson in 2018. So um, that's why I do see a scenario in which Notre Dame can win. And we'll dive into that. Well, and, and I think uh, another reason for the re- why I went the way I went, and, and, you, and you, you outlined it for me, but um, the more I hear Brian Kelly um, and, and Tommy Reese, and, and they've met the media, obviously, the last few days, and I, I just keep hearing over and over, we're going to do what we do. Mm-hmm. You know, the offense is what we are and blah, blah, blah. That's disturbing to me mm-hmm. because – you know, we've watched, you said it, we've watched every snap of Notre Dame. We've watched a bunch of Alabama. Doing what you do is not going to beat Alabama. Mm-hmm. Now, you have the personnel to beat Alabama. We've talked about that. Again, go back to the, that rankings uh, uh, article that you put out, the, the recruiting rankings between Notre Dame and Alabama. It's a lot closer than people think. And it's not even just that. Here's my frustration with it. And, and I'll say it right now. You know, I'll kind of jump the gun a little bit because we haven't quite dove into why we're making these predictions. Everybody wants to look at recruiting rankings and, oh, that's why Alabama is better. Right. Okay, let's, let's pump the brakes for a second, okay? Alabama's starting defensive end, Justin Oboigbe, was, a, I believe, a, a five-star recruit. He was definitely a top 100 guy. He was one of the best defensive linemen in the country. Would you trade him for Adi Ogandiji? We asked this in another podcast. W- would you? Right. No, I wouldn't. Adi was a three-star kid they flipped from Western Michigan. I would Western trade him. Western Michigan. Yeah. Yeah. Jeremiah Wusu Koromo was a three star recruit that Notre Dame beat Virginia and Michigan State for. Would you trade him for Dylan Moses, the five star stud at, at, at Alabama? No. Would you trade him for Kristen Harris? Christian Harris? I wouldn't. Nope. Would you trade him for, for Christopher Allen? Or you know, I wouldn't. No. And, and so that's where I where I get to is there's plenty of places where we could have that same same argument. You know, and, and look, right now, Evan Neal, five star player, he's not better than Robert Hainsey. Robert Hainsey wasn't exactly a three-star recruit either. Robert Hainsey was a top 100 caliber player. Right. You know, Notre Dame's got plenty of, plenty of big-time players on their team. A lot of All-Americans on the offensive right. line. Right. You know? and, and, you know, Najee Harris is a five-star player. Great player. Is the gap between him and Kyvin Williams really that, like, that you'd expect of a five-star right. and a three-star? Right. I don't think it is. So, it's about talent. 
not about well, stars. And when I look at this Notre Dame football team, Kyle Hamilton, there's not a safety on Alabama's roster that I would trade for Kyle Hamilton. There's not a linebacker on their roster I'd trade for Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa. I'm sorry, Drew White is much closer in the conversation with Alabama's inside linebackers from a production standpoint. And I'm not talking NFL draft status because that's a different animal. That's a different Plenty of guys that were mediocre high school, college football players that went on to be, you know, great pros because they have athleticism. Maybe they developed. And I also refuse to allow the league that decided Mitch Trubisky was better than Pat Mahomes and Deshaun Watson as the arbiter on who's the better college football player. Okay. <laughs> so I felt like know, a personal blow as a Bears It was fan. not I'm going to let, I'm gonna let that go. It I'm was let not it go. to you because the Bears <laughs> weren't the only franchise that looked at Mitch Trubisky as a better player. Well, and they didn't call and ask my opinion, unfortunately. Right. They must so, have lost my number. Right. So my, my point is, is that when you look at college production, college play, I don't think the gap in talent is as enormous as people make it out to be. Is there a gap? Yeah. And there sure. are some positions where that gap is pretty wide. Cornerback, it's pretty wide. The wide receiver. Um, well, wide receiver is wide in, the, in regards to the fact that they ha- clearly have the best player. No question. Fair enough. I don't think Notre Dame's trotting out a bunch of bums. You know, that, that's well, my thing. And, and, and pass yeah. number one. Right it's a more competitive conversation and Notre Dame's number one isn't exactly as stiff, you know, right, and, right, right, and right, right. is the gap at receiver wider from Alabama in Alabama's favor than the gap at tight end is in Notre Dame's favor. I don't think that it is. Sure. So that's where I get down to this. I think that the perception that Alabama is going to crush Notre Dame is based on two things. Number one, tradition or not tradition, history, history, how Alabama, Alabama has, has proven that it can get on the stage and play well. And, and when you win as many titles as Nick Saban has won, what's it, six, right? Five at Bama, one at LSU. You, you, you know, and you've won, what, two titles in the, in the playoff era. You can have the mulligan of the 2018 title game. Sure. Notre Dame can't afford to call the ACC title game a mulligan because they don't have the track record of success in those big moments to say, well, that was just a bad game. We'll find out if that was just a bad game on, on Friday. You know, so, and it's also a combination of up to this point, Alabama has taken the talent they have and maximized it on offense. And well, Notre Dame has not. And that and, to me is a big part of this. The, the elephant in the room on that one for me is if, if we're going to, let's compare quarterbacks. Let, let's do that real fast because uh, Mac Jones's athletic ability and his arm talent is, is nowhere near what, what well, I shouldn't say nowhere near. It's not as good as Ian Book. I'm sorry. Our arm talent in regards to like arm strength and those. That's what I'm talking things. about. Correct. That's, what, that's correct. what I'm talking about. Arm We're not strength. Talking about the results. Because Ian Book can make all the throws that Mac Jones makes. He can, mm-hmm. uh, as far Physically. as that, distances Physically. and things of that nature. Physically. He can make all he of those throws. Mm-hmm. And then, if you want to add on the running ability of Ian Book, he out. I mean, he just above and beyond what Mac Jones. Because even if you wanted to, even if you wanted to say, okay, I'm gonna play devil's advocate. And Mac Jones has a little bit better physical talent, arm talent than Ian Book. Let's play devil's advocate because I, okay. I agree with you. The gap, this is the point, the gap between their arm talent and the gap between their athleticism and, and mobility oh. Oh. Is, is night and day. Yes. You know, one is close. You can make a case for Mac Jones. Again, we're talking just physical talent. The difference, yeah. the point That's is correct. the difference between the two is not physical. Correct. It's, mental it's confidence yes. and it's also yes. coaching yep yeah no i agree with it and that's and that's the point i was gonna make i if you if you're just talking from a talent 
standpoint, I'm taking Ian Book in every day that ends in Y. I, mm-hmm. I, I would take him every time. But if you're talking about a guy. I've never heard that before. That's awesome. <laughs> I've never heard that before. That's great. You're welcome. I'm like, yeah, Monday, Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, they all. <laughs> um, I'm taking him every time. And the, the reason I would take Mac Jones, though, if we're talking about the complete football player, is because he's got the confidence to let it sling. Yeah. And, and he'll, Well, you he'll, just said it. There's a difference between physical talent and football player. Correct. That's exactly right. And that's why I would take Mac Jones right now because he'll, he has the confidence to put it into tight windows. He's got the confidence to put it down the field. You know, he's got the confidence in his receivers and look, we've seen Ian book with that confidence, just not consistently and, and not that, in and, big games and not, in not, big not games. often in big games. So, yeah. so, so that is, you know, if we're, again, we're, we're comparing talent. There's not much of a difference there. So we've I, justified why we're picking Alabama to win in, in the, in, in that sense. So let's kind of dive in, Vince, as to why, how the game, how you see the game playing out. So I think that for me is, 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 is kind of, okay, so we've explained why we did this, but as far as how you see the game playing out specifically, mm-hmm. we, we got the, the matchups and lack of faith in coaching and lack of faith of the quarterback at times and history. History. Is and it's not always Ian Book, right? I no, mean, no, no, no. He's going to be the quarterback against Clemson the last two times that they played in a you know a championship on the line, but he wasn't their quarterback in 2015 Fiesta Bowl. You know, he wasn't the quarterback when they played Alabama in 2012. Neither was his position coach or his, sure. his offensive coordinator. You know, he was he was the backup. So right. um, you know, he happens to have been, you know, he wasn't the quarterback when they went down to Miami, you know, in, in 2017 right. and got beat, you know. Uh, so I'm not putting all this on Ian Book. This isn't an Ian Book thing. There's been one oh. constant through this entire stretch of getting blasted in big games and and it's not Ian book and it's not Tommy Reese. No, no, no. It's, it's the head man. It's Brian Kelly and it's his program. So right. you know, if, if good things happen, he gets the accolades and, as he and should, if, as he should. And if bad things happen, he, and, and that's just, that's the, that's how football works. That's how. Right. right. So, yeah. So it's, it's a situation of recent history under Brian Kelly and and what that looks like and that's one of the main reasons i probably made the score prediction that i did and so as far as how the game plays out you want me to start kind of you know i think the defense is going to play well at at the beginning i I, i've i've knocked clark lee for some of his game planning and some of his lack of adjustments against clemson but Mm -hmm. i think he's a heck of a coach and i think that was the anomaly right and he has earned that Correct. in my opinion correct so i think he's gonna bounce back and i think he's gonna have a great game as a coach and as the coordinator and i think this defense hangs in tight and i and i think they do a good job against this alabama team early Mm -hmm. my fear is that the offense isn't going to be able to respond Mm -hmm. and eventually like a dam you know it's just going to get more and more pressure on this defense and eventually it's going to break Mm-hmm. And the defense is only going to be able to do so much if the offense isn't scoring. Right. And, and I, and that's how I fear that this is going to go. I think it's going to be close after the first quarter. Mm-hmm. I think it very well could be a one possession, a one and a half possession, you know, like a 10 point uh, situation in, in favor of Alabama after the first quarter. But I think kind of similar to what happened in the Clemson game, I think that second quarter could be bloodshed and it could be over at halftime uh, if the offense doesn't respond. And I, I just, I unfortunately I do not have the confidence in the offensive staff 
and in the offensive game plan and what we've seen from the offense up to this point that they're going to be able to hang with Alabama because you've got to match what they're doing if you want to be in the game at the end. And I just don't have the faith that that's going to happen. It, it, that's where Vince, that's where my 47, 20 prediction came from. Correct. It, it, it's that lack of confidence that now I'll, I'll say this in response to your comments about Brian Kelly. He's done it so much that it would have been stupid for him to say anything else. I, I will say that like, maybe I'm giving them too much credit, but it would be stupid for them to come in and say, you know, Hey, we're going to change some things. We're, we're going to be more disruptive. We're going to be more explosive. We're going to, we're going to do some concepts that are different because we got to prepare for Alabama. That would be stupid for him to do that in my opinion. So, you know, I'm not going to bang him too much for what he said. And, and, and I ripped him after he made some comments early in the year about, uh, you know, I think it was before um, it was before the Clemson game. He had made some comments, right. and I was like, you know, this is just Kelly doing what he does. And then, yeah, he came out against Clemson like playing like gangbusters. Yeah, you know, that's the first true. Time. So I'm gonna I'm gonna not hammer him for that yet. I'm gonna hammer him if they actually do that. If we actually see that same old same old in the game. So I'm <sighs> I'm gonna give him the benefit of the doubt that he's playing coy because you and I both know Kelly knows how to manipulate the media. And you know what? It's one of the things he's best at. Right. And I don't mean that as an insult toward the no. media. We have to report what he says. We can't right. infer. Well, I think what he really means is this. That's not responsible journalism. This is, hey, this is what he said. And so I'm going to respond to what he said. Right. Right. And so that was not a shot at anybody. I think Brian Kelly is doing what he needs to do because he's got to always do what's best for his program. And, and we in the media have to, you know, do what we have to do and report on it and critique it and analyze it. But we also can't pretend he's making stuff. You know, we can't say, well, he said this, but I'm going to change it because I think he means this. That's irresponsible journalism. And, and I, don't, I don't really know anybody that covers Notre Dame beat that, that, that would do that. You know, they're going to, they're gonna, hey, this is what he said. And then we'll respond to what he said. And if it turns out to not be true, then, then we'll criticize it. So I'm not going to criticize him too much for that. And, and, and I'm just going to kind of – I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt, and I'm going to say that, I, that, that the reason I could see Notre Dame winning this game is twofold. Number one, really threefold. Number one is I, I agree with your point about the defense. I think the defense is a very prideful group. It's a lot of veteran players that, that the next time they lose or if they win two more games, it's the last time they're ever putting on that gold helmet. So I, I just I, I'd be surprised if we don't see the best of Dalen Hayes and Adio right. and right and, and Jeremiah Wusu Koromoa and Sean Crawford and those kind of guys. I'd, I'd just be surprised. That doesn't mean it's going to be good enough to win, but I don't think it's going to look like it did against Clemson in in, in the ACC title game. I, I think mm -hmm. what you're saying is basically you're you're looking for a repeat of the 2018 Cotton Bowl is is kind of what you're saying, which is defense is going to do its part early. Mm -hmm. But the offense is going to keep giving them the ball back, keep giving them the ball back without scores, and eventually you just you can't stop this team for four quarters. They're not North right, Denver. right. So I think in in your scenario, that's kind of where I came up with my forty seven twenty. You know, is is I think the offense is you know is going to do what they do, and they're not going to change. They're not going to they'll make a wrinkle here, make a wrinkle there that maybe works for here and there. But it you know those things don't change for sixty minutes. You know. And maybe they hung, hang with them early, but eventually Alabama's going to make adjustments and, and Notre Dame's not going to make them. I, I think it's going to be over more in the third quarter. I think it's going to be somewhat close at halftime, maybe like, you know, 34 to 17 or 31 to 14, something like that. But I, I, where, that I, it, it may be that score, but I think that'll feel like a lot more. It, it will. But you know what I, I mean? Think, yeah, but it's kind of those things like, 
you know, 31-14, Notre Dame starts the ball with the second half, you know, that kind of thing. But I think it'll get over pretty quickly if that's the case. And that's my point is, is Alabama's going to score early and, and now it's 38-14 and that's where it's over. Mm-hmm. That's the scenario that – that's the worst case scenario for me is Notre Dame's offense doesn't really come out hot and they don't answer. Because even the, you look at the North Carolina game, you know, they, they answered North Carolina score for score after the first start, but then they didn't – when the defense made stops, the offense didn't take advantage and mm-hmm. put the ball back in the end zone. I mean, it should have been 28-14 to 14 at halftime or 28-17, to 17, but instead it was 17-17, to 17, I believe, at halftime. And so that's where, that's, that's where I just don't have the faith that this offense is going to be able to do that. We saw it against Clemson, you know, in, in, the, in the first matchup. The offense started fast and then didn't do anything after that. Now you can say, well, they moved the ball, but they didn't punch it in. Well, yeah, that's been a problem all year. That's not right. like that was the that's anomaly. Not you know? a new thing, yeah. Right. They did the same thing in the rematch against Clemson. You know, the, it, and, and let's be honest, it was 13-10 to 10 in the second quarter, and Clemson's got the ball, and if they go down and score a touchdown, they've got the lead, and I think the game would have looked a lot different instead. Jeremiah Wusu makes a freaky athletic play. Mm-hmm you know, returns it for a touchdown. And on the, ne- the next series, he makes another freaky athletic play, um, an instinctive play, forces a fumble. Notre Dame recovers, loses two yards on offense, but kicks a field goal. And next thing you know, it's what, 23 to 13, you know, or, or 23 to 10, excuse me. And so you can't count on that happening against Alabama. Right, right. You're going to have to score offensively to get to that point. And, and they haven't shown us any – they have given us no evidence – that's the problem, that the yeah. offense can go out there and do that. However, that's my 47-20 scenario. However. My 37-34 Notre Dame win scenario is going to look more at the players. Okay. And where I think Notre Dame has the ability to match up with Alabama. And I think Notre Dame's offensive line and Notre Dame's offense can score against Bama. This is not a vintage Alabama defense. We broke this down in yep. two different podcasts. You're absolutely right. It doesn't mean it's a bad defense by any stretch. And if Notre Dame tries to do what they did against Clemson, they will score about what they scored against Clemson, 12, 10 to 20 points. That's it. You know, and, and, and this Bama defense isn't as good as the 2018 Clemson defense that's going to hold Notre Dame to three, in my opinion. And I don't think they – I think Clemson presents some unique matchup disadvantages for Notre Dame, whereas Bama tries to play more straight up. And, and that helps Notre Dame's straight-up offense be able to score 17 to 20 points. Sure. You know? um, so that's kind of how I, I look at that. But I think that, that the talent is such that, look, Javon McKinley can make plays against the guys that Alabama has. You know, like Trayvon Grimes beat Patrick Sertain for a long touchdown in the SEC championship game. And with all due respect, I think Javon McKinley is a better college wide receiver than Trayvon Grimes. Uh, they can beat Josh Job. Are they going to beat him like a drum? No, but they can make enough big plays. You only need three, four, five of those big plays to, sure. to really get it going. It's not like he's got to catch 15 balls for 280 yards. He just has to catch five or six, you know, and two or three of them need to be down the field balls. Um, you know, a tight end. Notre Dame has a significant advantage, in my opinion, when it comes to their talent at tight end compared to the Alabama linebackers and safeties when it comes to coverage, they've struggled all year. And, and again, you know, if we're talking about the tr- history of how these teams perform, Alabama's had trouble all year with Kyle Pitts. They mm-hmm. had trouble with the Ole Miss tight end. I mean, you, you remember that little delay pop pass that they hit early in that game to, to spark, spark them to their first touchdown? 
Uh, they had t- they had trouble with. There's been I think four or five different times this year that they've had trouble at tight end. Some of the names are escaping me, but that's been an issue an issue all year. And outside of Kyle Pitts, they don't have tight end. They haven't faced tight ends that are at the level of the Notre Dame kids. Uh, Agreed. And with all due respect to Florida, Florida doesn't have two guys like Notre Dame has. Sure. So you know that's an area where you're like, look, Notre Dame's players are better than Alabama's players, right? And Alabama's got a big physical offensive line, and there haven't been a lot of SEC offensive lines that could really handle that front seven. Well, Notre Dame has one, at least talent-wise, they have one. Uh, Ian Book, you mentioned, has the physical talent to make some plays against Alabama as no a doubt. runner and a thrower. No uh, doubt. You know, so so in my other scenario, it's like, okay, well, look, what we're going to see is because Notre Dame has nothing to lose. There's zero pressure on Notre Dame from a from a a a 2020 view. Now, I think there's pressure on Notre Dame from a big picture standpoint, and we've talked about that, and I'll have more on that after the game, depending on how it goes. But as far as this particular football team, because this 2020 football team doesn't have the same weight on its shoulders that Brian Kelly has, because they didn't. They didn't play in the 2015 Fiesta. Sean Crawford's the only guy on the roster who was on that team, and he didn't play that year. He was hurt. Um, <laughs> I wasn't a knock. I mean, he was a freshman. No, no. It's just that when you're mentioning something that only he has done and you have to go back to 2015, it just right. makes me laugh because he's been there forever. That, right. That, and, that's and, all it is to me. Yeah, and, and look, let's be honest. A lot of the guys that, that are playing for Notre Dame now didn't play in the 2018 Cotton Bowl. Javon McKinney right. didn't play in that game. Kyron Williams right. wasn't on the team. Chris Tyree wasn't on the team uh Avery Davis was I think still a quarterback then or maybe he was a running back that year he was a running back that year um Ben Skronik was at Northwestern right I mean you look at the defense Jeremiah Wusu-Kormo didn't play in that game Drew White didn't play in that game Nick McLeod was on a different team Kyle Hamilton was in high school on the team right he was in high school Clarence Lewis was in high school you know so right uh, Isaiah Foskey was still in high school so the point is that history shouldn't affect the players as much as, it, as it'll, you know, maybe be on Brian Kelly's shoulders or even a, like a Tommy Reese because Tommy Reese is one of the guys that has kind of been through a lot of that, you know, as a, you know, as a, a player in, in 2012 and 2013 and then as a coach in 2017, 18, 19 and this year. So um, I, I think the players will be loose. I don't, so I don't see them playing tight. Sure. My hope is that Brian Kelly goes to Tommy Reese and says, let's have some fun. You know, let's, let's do some things. There's some concepts you've been wanting to run. Let's run them. You know, there's some things we want to try. Let's try them. Uh, we have nothing to lose, you know, so we're going to yeah. give them our best shot. And that's my hope. I don't know if they're going to do that or not, but that's my hope that, that Tommy Reese and, and Lance Taylor and John McNulty and, and, and uh, Dell Alexander and Jeff Quinn say, Hey, look, what can we do? Let's maybe take some concepts that we've seen other teams use. Let's go back through the season and find some things that have worked for us. Let's, you know, let's throw some some of the the, the the opponent's medicine at them a little bit. You know, yeah. and do some of the things that they're doing. And uh, you know, there's plenty I, of things on film that people have done against Alabama that could work yeah. really, really well for with Notre, Notre Dame's. Because per- see, that's the thing, and and you've seen this, Vince, as a coach. How many times have you been in a meeting, an offensive staff meeting, breaking down film of your upcoming opponent, where one of the coaches says, "Boy, I really like that concept," and so you ask, "Okay, why?" well, look, that guy got open, blah, 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 blah. And my response is always, well, who for our team can do that? Exactly. <laughs> you know, so that concept yeah. may have worked, but our tight end is a blocker. Their tight end is Kyle Pitts, right? right, so, right. so, But what to your point, when you see those things being successful, you're like, well, Notre Dame has dudes that can do that. 
Well, Notre Dame yes. has a guy that can do that. Well, Notre Dame has a line that can do that. Well, Notre Dame has a quarterback that can do that. It's about whether or not they will. And I think that's, that's one the of the differences. And when I, when I thought about the 2012 game, and I really looked back on it. So, you know, that was one of those games where everything was going to have to go right for Notre Dame. Like, everything was going to have to go perfect. Yeah. For Notre Dame to make this a game, I don't think they have to play the perfect game. They didn't play the – they put far from played the perfect game against Clemson on November 7th and still won. You know, well, yeah, they, they still scored on two Clemson drives. Team. Right. Two drives, touchdowns. Um, fumbled a ball into the end zone, had to settle for a bunch of field goals. I don't see those things repeating necessarily in this game. Um, you know, so it's about, look, the weapons are there for Notre Dame to score. And I really truly believe that if Notre Dame goes into the fourth quarter and this is a game, and when I mean game, I don't mean like they're down 10 to 17, but they're down within a score or yeah. maybe have a lead. I think Notre Dame will win because I, we haven't seen Alabama in that kind of pressure situation. Sure. Yeah. We just haven't. Uh, Mac Jones hasn't really been in that moment. The only time he really was in that kind of game, they lost. And that was to Auburn last year. Uh, and he threw a couple, couple bad picks in that game. So, you know, to your point, you had mentioned in one of our previous podcasts, this is not a guy that's been pressured a whole lot. Ian mm-hmm. Book has been through some wars. No doubt. So if Ian Book goes into the fourth quarter, having played in a way that he got Notre Dame into a situation where it's a close game, he's not going to shrink in the fourth quarter. Ian Book's going to sh- shrink in the first quarter. I mean, that's the reality. When he's yeah, no, you're right. poorly, you We're see gonna it know right it. away. We're going to know it right okay. away. This is who Ian Book is. For Ian, it's never been a moment situation. It's been, it's been sort of a – there's just this, like, he just gets hesitant. He's afraid to make a mistake. When he plays loose, he's really good. And, and, and I point and, back to the 2017 bowl game against LSU. I point to his first couple starts of 2018 against Stanford. I mean – at that time, that was a big moment. Stanford was ranked seventh. Now, we know that Stanford ended up not being as good. They were not really a top 10 team. But Ian Book didn't know that on September 29th of 2018. He thought it was a top 10 team. Sure. And he shredded them. Shredded them. Uh, you know, so, so we've seen him in, in, in play with that kind of that looseness, that confidence. And to your Be- point that you made, uh, I, I don't know, I don't know which podcast it was. There's a lot of them, <laughs> but you made the point that there is no reason that this team should be tight in any way mm-hmm. on either side of the ball. Mm-mm. You've got nothing to. You're a twenty point underdog. Yeah. You have no reason to be tight. Mm-hmm. You should be as loose and as just feeling good and and just going out there with Let nothing it loose, to man. lose, man. Let nothing it lose. Nothing to lose. Have faith in your brothers. Have faith in your teammates. Yeah. Have faith in your coaches and go play. And that's the scenario in which I think Notre Dame can play in this game. And I truly – the reason – it's either – to me, in my opinion, mm-hmm. this is a prediction that I have. I don't think Notre Dame loses a close game. I don't think that's an option. I, I, obviously, I could be wrong. But I see it as they're either going to get blown out or they're going to win a close game. That's how I see it. Okay. Because I do feel like if you get this team in the fourth quarter, they're, they're, they're battle-tested. Notre Dame has been in these wars plenty of times. Yeah. Ian Book has been in these battles plenty of times. I feel like if Notre Dame gets into the fourth quarter with, hey, guys, we got a shot, this is a team that's going to have that, you know, this isn't going to look like it did against Georgia last year in the fourth quarter. I like where your head's at, Swami. You know, um, so, so that's why I feel like it, and that's why it's so important that they start fast. And we mm-hmm. talked about this in the offensive keys of the game. They have to answer Alabama score for score. Not only practical, you know, practically speaking, it's important, but I think they need it for their own psyche because yes. you and I both know this, Vince. It's one thing to believe you can win. 
and I've made this point before, it's one thing to believe you can win. It's another thing to know you can win. And there is a difference. And mm-hmm. I've pointed this out before. I'm going to use my own coaching experience to point this out. And I've, I've, people who have listened to me over the years have heard this story before. But, you know, my first year as a coach, we had an 11-1 team. We were a top five team in the country. We had just beaten the number two seed in our bracket. This is in the Division three playoffs. We had just gone to their place, beat them 41 to nothing. We knew we were good. And we thought when we went to play Mount Union in the third round, we thought we could win. They knew they were going to win. And there is a difference. And the difference is, is when things start going bad for you, especially if it's early, that doubt creeps in for the team that thinks they can win. The team that knows they can win never gets rattled, no matter how much they're down. So that's why it's so important for the other team, the underdog, to start well. Because if you start well, you have that confidence like, hey, we do belong on this stage. We do belong here. And I think you saw that against Clemson. When, when Kyron Williams went off for that long run, you, Vince, you could see it on the sideline. There was just like, you know what? We are really good. And you just saw it the whole game. Like, Absolutely. They, they, they were excited when they won that game. They weren't surprised. Right. And, and that's why starting fast is so important. So that's why I feel like if they start fast and it is a battle – I could see I see Notre Dame winning this game in the end. Yeah. If they fall okay. behind early and the offense is punting or turning it over or make settling for field goals and Alabama's up 14 to 6 because your first two drives went for field goals and they went for touchdown, it's gonna be ugly. It's gonna be over by the third quarter. Yeah. If then. So that's why my two predictions are what they are. And they're basically based on how the first half is gonna go. If it's a battle in the first two quarters, Notre Dame will win it in the end. If Notre Dame struggles offensively in the first two quarters, Alabama will blow them out. And that's, that's kind of where I come yeah. down on it. I, I, you know, we're talking about how this thing's going to play out. I think, uh, to kind of echo your point, I, I think we're going to know how this game's going to go after the first quarter. And, yeah. I, and I know that that's early, that there's still three quarters yeah. left to play. But with this team, you have seen what they are in the first quarter. Whether we're we know what to about, look for. We know what to look for. Yeah, whether you're talking about North Carolina where they were matching score for score and you just knew, okay, this offense is they're, – they're, they're, you know, moving on all the same cylinders and that defense just needs to settle down, and, and they did. Uh, I, I think Clemson, the second time around, once that first quarter was over, I think we knew this is not going to go well. You could see um, it. You could we, see it you early. Could see it. That's it exactly right. Early, and, yeah. and you mentioned it with Ian Book. I, I personally like Ian Book. I would go to battle with Ian Book as yeah. his coach. I would. And I, I think he's a good quarterback. And I think he has overachieved at Notre Dame from what we all thought he would be when sure. he was recruited to Notre Dame. But he is what he is in the first quarter. And mm-hmm. whatever he is in the first quarter, that's what he's going to be the rest of the way. Yeah. And whether he's going to be that confident, cocky in a good way, uh, you know, swagger. Yeah. If, if he's going to be that guy, he'll be that guy that, the whole way. But if he's, you know, chopping his feet and he, he's trying to bail yeah. out of the pocket weirdly and he, he's eating the ball and, mm-hmm. you know, my pet peeve, run out of bounds for a sack. If he's doing all that in the first quarter, he's going to do that the rest of the way. Yeah, and, and, and let me tell me if you agree with this, Vince. What I'm referring to as far as how Ian Book's going to be in the first quarter, I don't even mean how he's performing. To me, it's going to be more about is he being? I mean, he could even make a turnover early, and I say, you know what, that was a turnover. But if the defense well, can make a stop here, let me let me just explain. If the yeah. defense can make a stop here, 
well, I really like this because he, he took a shot. He took a chance, you know, and that's my point. It depends he may, on the turnover. He, if it's a pick six, but you know, you know what I mean? Like if, if like, um, you know, it's third and 10 at midfield and he takes a shot on a post route and it gets picked off. Right. Um, I can live with those kind of mistakes. Sure. I get and, that. And it, it, I want to see him being aggressive. Cause I feel like if he's aggressive and he's attacking and he's playing loose with nothing to lose, we saw it against LSU. He threw that pick in the third quarter and it just, it didn't phase him. Right. He's never been a guy that's necessarily Virginia tech. I thought we saw this, you know, he threw that really bad pick against Virginia tech and he just kept battling. It didn't, it didn't phase him. You know, he's never been a guy that's been phased by turning the ball over. He gets phased because he's convinced himself before the game has even started. Right. That he can't turn the ball over. He can't make a mistake. It's and like, there's going to be pressure. Weird, and... It's like this weird Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde thing with Ian book sometimes. And, and I get why I mean, I've made jokes before about Brian Kelly and it's like, he's his you know, third son or something like that. But right. I get why Brian Kelly is so loyal to Ian book. Sure. Because of, you know, because of the fact that he is that, I think Brian Kelly sees a lot of his own, you know, division two coach had to work his way up, never sure. got anything handed to him. And that's kind of how Ian book is, you know, and, and he's that gritty gamer and that kind of thing. But we're going to know mentality wise who Ian book is going to be in this game by the first quarter. And it, he may not even necessarily be like nine of 10, but if he comes out picking Alabama apart early, which he's capable of, I'm going to say, boy, this is going to be a fun game to watch. And, and I also think that what that's going to do Vince is that's going to give the defense a lot of confidence. Like, Hey, we can play loose because Ian's out there. He's dealing. And we know Javon's going to go off now. And we know that Mayer and Tremble are going to go off now. Avery Davis is going to go off. You know, Avery Davis is, a, is an underrated guy, in my opinion, Vince, because you even look at – did you watch the, uh, the halftime segment between the Colorado and, and Texas game where Jesse Palmer was breaking down the, the – I heard about game? it. I did, not, uh, I did not see it. He, showed, he was showing the stuff that you and I have been talking about since that game was over, which is mm-hmm. there were guys open. It's just Ian Book wasn't throwing the ball. And there was one play where, where Avery Davis just smokes the safety what should have been a touchdown and he, he just didn't throw him the ball. That was, it was almost the same route that they scored on the last time, but this time he wasn't way wide open. Like he was the first time and he didn't throw the ball because he had already kind of let the pressure bother him. It was already right. in his head, but we yes. saw that from the beginning of the game. Correct. So, you know, I think Notre Dame has the weapons and if Ian book comes out dealing early, you're going to see a lot of confidence from the offense, like, Hey, or defense, like, Hey, they got our, the offense has our back. We can play loose and go play fast. And that's where you get that great team ball. Yep. And, and that's why you can kind of shake off a mistake or a touchdown. Because you know Bama's going to score. Clark Lee is going to be the head. Hey, guys, they're going to make plays. This is a great right. team. They're going to make plays. Right. We got to right. ba- bounce back. We're fine. We'll, we'll be fine. We just go correct ourselves. But if they score, Notre Dame's offense punts. And then Bama scores and then Notre Dame's offense punts. Now it's like, huh, we can't let them score again. Then you start putting that kind of pressure on yourself. That's how you get blown out. Mm-hmm. And that's why it is important that the offense starts fast. So that's how, kind of how I see the two games going, how the two different yeah. scores going. I could see it blowing and both ways. I really could. book coming out dealing, and it's going to be the Notre Dame defensive line getting after Mac Jones. Those are the, if Notre Dame's going to win and pull off the upset and, and the coaches do the things that the coaches need to do and the guys really play at a high level, we're going to see it in Ian Book dealing and the defensive line balling out. Yep. That, you know, that's how I see it. That's the, that's the recipe for Notre Dame winning. And, you know, because the Ian Book's not balling out if the Notre Dame offense – you know what I mean? Like the – Oh, offense, yeah, for sure. Playing yeah. All those kind of things. So, so that's kind of my, um, my two scenarios for how the game 
will play out. It's be, it's going to be one of – I really just don't see a scenario in which Notre Dame – it's a close game and Notre Dame loses. I just – I don't. I think because it is such a battle-tested team. Sure. So we'll see. All right. Well, I think it's time to give out some game balls. Yes. Uh, or, or to predict what those game balls are going to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But before we do that – that's correct. We have to give we have to give some love to one of our sponsors, and that final sponsor of the day is Bet Online. The NBA is back in action, and football is heading into the playoffs. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season, from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sports book experts. Okay, so it is that time. Time to give out what we think will be the game balls. And we're going to do this two different ways, Brian. And I don't think we've done it this way uh, earlier. So we're going to do it this way now. Uh, We're going to give out game balls on both sides of the ball, like we always do. But the first one is going to be if Notre Dame wins. And then the second one will be if Alabama wins. So who's going to get that game ball in both scenarios? Uh, Because obviously we're going to be giving out game balls to the winning team. I mean, that, mm-hmm. you, it's hard to give out a game ball when you, you lose. You tried that in the ACC championship game, and I wasn't having it. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did. And you, you called my bluff, and, and uh, I get it. I totally understand. So uh, here we go. So let's talk offense first. Uh, we're both offensive coaches, so that's what's going to lead off for us. Um, if Notre Dame wins this game, uh, I will go first. I will say if Notre Dame wins this game <laughs> – uh, Ian Book just played one of the best games of his life, mm-hmm. and uh, he played with confidence. He played with swagger, and he put the team on his shoulders. And he's going to walk out of there with the game ball, and no one will be happier about that than Brian Kelly. It'll be the first thing he says at his press conference <laughs> that I gave the game ball to my son, Ian. <laughs> and so, I mean, I mean, I mean, quarterback. I mean, I mean quarterback. to our quarterback, Ian. Yeah. <laughs> so if Notre Dame wins this game, Ian Book had a game. Mm-hmm. He gets my game ball on offense. I don't see how – look, what, if, what do I always say about winning championships? You can't win championships without great quarterback play. Right. I mean, so how could I then say that and then be like, but Kyron Williams is going to get the game ball. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> <laughs> if Notre Dame's going to win this game, Ian Book has to play great. And, yeah. and he won't be the only one. You know, we'll probably be debating after the game for our player of the game for is it going to be Kyron, is it going to be Javon McKinley, Michael sure. Mayer. I mean – you know, Liam Eikenberg, Robert Hainsey, we're, we're going to have that debate because Ian Book can't, isn't going to – you don't win these games all by yourself. Yeah. You know, when you look at how well Trevor Lawrence played against Bama in 2018, he, he had help. You know, Justin Ross had that freaky behind-his-back one-handed catch, right? Like, you have to have help. But it's going to be about Ian Book delivering the ball and getting yep. it out to his playmakers and managing the offense and responding to early inver- adversity with, with big plays and big throws and sparking – because the confidence in this team is going to come from what are they getting a quarterback? And if this right. team plays well enough to win the game, um, I don't see a scenario in which 
I mean, it's, it's an, it's, I believe that Dallas can always have an indoor stadium, right? They can always put a cover, a roof over the top to make yes. you can't say, well, barring like a monsoon. No, that's not going to, that's not an option. It's not going <laughs> to happen. Know what I mean, no monsoon um, in this one. This is going to be about who the better team is. And if Notre Dame is good enough to win this game, it's, it's going to have to be because Ian Book plays well. And, and this doesn't mean running around three different directions and launching a ball 70 yards downfield for a touchdown. That's not what we're talking about. It's nope. just about, He's getting the ball out. When Avery Davis wins that route, get the ball to him. When Javon McKinley's got the one-on-one matchup you like, get him the ball. When, when it's second and ten and, and they bail and drop eight, check that sucker down to, 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 to Kyron Williams for a six-yard gain and then you know, hit Michael Mayer on third and four. You know, mm-hmm. Those are the kind of things that are going to spark the offense. Other guys may get the big plays, but it's all going to be set up by Ian Book playing well. So if they're in this game, if they win this game it's gonna, on offense, it's going to be Ian Book. I don't even know if he has to have the game of his life. I just think he has to play like he does when he plays well. He has to play like he did against Stanford in 2018. He has to play like he did against Navy last year. He has to play like he did against, you know, Boston College this season. Um, you know, he, he has to do what he's shown he's capable of. I don't think he has to play out of his mind. You know, I, I think it'll go down as the biggest game of his career because of the magnitude. My point simply being, and I'm not necessarily disagreeing with you, my point simply, he no, doesn't fine. have to go like 29 of 31 and, and you know, for 560 right. yards. He just he, has to run that's not the his game. Make, right. He just has to play his game. He has to get the ball out to his teammates because, again, he has the teammates that are, that are capable of beating Bama. Mm-hmm. And, and, and he just has to get the ball out. And, and to me, that's the difference between Florida and, 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 and Notre Dame from a talent. It's not – with all due respect to the talent at Florida, they don't blow no, they don't beat Notre Dame in talent. They've got very Literally good players. Agree with you, yeah. But Javon, I'll, I'll take Javon McKinley and Avery Davis and and Michael Mayer and and Tommy Tremble and way better running backs at Notre Dame than they have at Florida yeah, and a way better offensive line. Right, right. Than Florida the has terrible. The difference is the quarterback. Right. And if Ian Book plays with the confidence that we see from other great quarterbacks and what we've seen from him at times. He'll have a big day. Yep. Notre Dame will have a chance to win, and he'll yep. get the game ball. That's yep. how I see it playing out. I agree. And so let, let's flip the script. Alabama wins this game. Who gets your offensive game ball? I'll let you lead off this time. Devontae Smith. I mean, yeah. he's going to go off, in my opinion. I mean, he's, he's going to have 10 catches for 200 yeah. yards, and, or, and one or, of those is going to be just yeah. a bomb. It, it, it's going to be the Sports Center highlight of the night. Sure. Kind of, It'll be like you know. a six, or he'll have like six catches for 150 yards. And yeah two touchdowns that are just, you know, 60, 60 yard bombs, that kind of thing. Yep. It'll be him or Notre Dame plays off and he catches like 12 balls for 160 yards and and like eight of them are third down conversions. Either way, it's going to be. Yep. And that's what makes him so good. Yeah, exactly. He could be, if you try to stop the deep game, he can catch 10 balls for, you know, and be a chain mover. He's such a, a great all around receiver and a smart receiver well-coached receiver, just a skilled receiver. He's just really going to be hard to defeat. So, you know, I, I imagine that the media will, will – Mac Jones, you know, because that's just kind of how it goes. You know, quarterbacks get on love. But it'll be Devontae, Devontae Smith, Smith is, the, is the force behind that offense, in my opinion. And Najee Harris is a heck of a player, and he'll probably put up numbers. But it's, it's Devontae Smith for me. Well, and, and let's be honest. I mean, you watched all the Alabama games. Watching Devontae Smith, it's pretty easy to throw to a guy like that. 
Okay. And I'm I'm a former receivers coach, so I I, I love watching that kid play. I Man. love because he, not he again. He's physically talented. I'm not trying to take anything away from his physical talent. But he's such a, a just so, a technician, man. Oh my god! Like, it's really it's it's teaching tape. I'm like that's teaching tape right there. That's like yeah. what you tell your kid to to hey son, you want to be you know this is what my dad did for me. I I grew up in the '80s when VCRs just came around, and I wanted to be a quarterback. I didn't have anybody could teach me how to play. My dad was a baseball guy, so he said, hey. He VCR Joe Montana, John Elway. I mean, he's like, watch these guys, you, you know, and yeah. wasn't the greatest advice because I can't be John Elway. <laughs> but the point was you learn from the people yes. who are the best at what they do. Absolutely. And Devontae Smith isn't a great player because he's 6'4", 230 and runs a 4'4". Right. Can't teach that. He's a great player because he plays the position as fundamentally sound and with the kind of high football IQ that I think can be taught. And that's why I say, if you're a receivers coach, if you're a, a parent, a father, or a mother of someone who wants to be a receiver, get him copies of Devontae Smith's games. Because that is a kid that, that, that you, if your kid plays football like that, I don't know what level his physical God-given ability will allow him to play at, but he's going to be a good player right. somewhere. Yep. And I just love watching a kid play. So maybe I'm a little yeah. biased, but I mean, the, the kid wow. is just a... He's a heck of a football player. I don't know why you'd be biased. He's going to be the best player on the field. So why would we not give him the game ball? I'm sorry. Just yeah. he's, he's that good. So uh, obviously that's where my game ball goes as well. I, I just think that he's going to stuff the stat sheet and it's going to be painfully obvious who should get the game ball uh, once this thing is over. Alabama I think wins. he's going to stuff the stat sheet no matter what. Regardless. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I, you're I, right. I, I mean, he's going to have, to me, he's going to have a good game no matter what. But if they win, he'll be the one that gets yeah. the game ball because fair enough. Ball him out. Let's, go, let's go over to defense, that other side of the ball. Uh, if Notre Dame wins this game, who gets the game ball for you? Kyle Hamilton. Okay. I, I think, different. I think. The reason is, is because, I mean, so many guys have to play well. It's yeah. your ends. Dalen Hayes and Adi Ogandiji have to be great against the run. Your interior, you know, Kurt Heinish is going to have to play a great game. Um, Myron Tungvaloa, Jason Adamiola, they're all going to have to have big plays. Your linebackers have to be great. Jeremiah Wusu is going to have to play like an All-American, which he always does. Your corners have to hold their own. But to me, Kyle Hamilton has the kind of game wrecker skill that, is so important against a team like Alabama. But he can record in, in in different levels of the defense. Every single yeah. level of the defense. Yeah. And he's the only – and look, there's maybe four or five safeties in the country, maybe, that have the ability to, to dominate a game in every facet. If Notre Dame needed him to be an over-the-top free safety, he could get three pass breakups and a pick. You know, they wanted him to be an alley player. He could have 13 tackles. I mean, he's such a diverse, smart – football player and, and and when you consider how young he is you, you sometimes we forget that he's just a sophomore yeah, I think no he's kidding. still a teenager if I, I think I could be wow. wrong on that wow but um he's just a smart player a lot like Devontae Smith except Kyle Hamilton's also 6'4 you know with basketball player <laughs> length and 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 physical I mean really tough kids so I think if they're gonna win it's because he makes a couple game record plays sure. it's gonna be you know, him coming across the middle and, you know, Devontae Smith makes some great leaping catch, but when he lands, Hamilton drills him and knocks the ball out, you know, and Notre Dame recovers it or he picks a pass off or, you know, Mac Jones is thinking, yeah, I can fit this ball in there. I've been doing it all year. And then he forgets that it's, it's Kyle Hamilton back there, right. not somebody else. And so um, 
you know, getting that opportunity to make those kind of plays. I think he needs a big game. And it's kind of like you and I did that radio show before the North Carolina game, and I said the same thing. If Notre Dame's going to stop North Carolina, Kyle Hamilton needs to go off. Well, he was going off before he got ejected. I think he right. had six tackles, six or he's, seven tackles in the second he quarter. He still ended up, I think, second on the team in tackles for the entire <laughs> game. So, And he got kicked out in the second quarter. <laughs> right. So it's a similar thing here. And, and because Alabama is not the vertical passing team that Clemson is, they're a short. They're gonna. They're gonna throw a million short to intermediate passes, which means there's gonna be a lot of opportunities for Kyle Hamilton to make a play. And look, you can't avoid him and Jeremiah Wusukormo. You can't right. avoid both of them unless right. Clark Lee decides to put them right on top of each other, which, which would be ridiculous. I don't. There'll be times for that, but I don't see him doing that. So you know, and I could see it being like a you know, I brought up the Denver Bronco Green Bay Packer upset Super Bowl from '97. Well, what was the one of the big game changing plays of that game? It was a safety blitz. Mm-hmm. For Tyrone Braxton, I think it was Tyrone. No, it was Steve Atwater. Uh, came on a blitz and knocked it up the ball loose, and Tyrone Braxton recovered it. I, I think I had it reversed the other time. Uh, you know that was that was that's kind of play. You know, long safety sure. going on a blitz. You know, um, I think it's going to be plays like that that's going to give Notre Dame a chance to stay in this game and win this game. So if the defense win, if they win the game. It's because they made some big-time plays, and I think the guy that's going to be the beneficiary of that more than anyone else is going to be Kyle Hamilton. And I was torn because I wanted to go Myron Tungvaloa. I wanted to go Jeremiah Wusukoromoa. I wanted to go Dalen Hayes. I wanted to go in so many different directions, but I was like, boy, the one guy that I think could be impact at all is going to be, is going to be Kyle Hamilton. And yeah. so that's the guy that I'm going with. No, I get that. And, and – y- one of the things that you you hit on about Kyle Hamilton is the reason that I picked Jeremiah Wusu Kormoa. And I, I just, when you talked about, look, I've watched more film on Alabama than I have on any other opponent of Notre Dame's this year. Okay. And the, what I've noticed is they love the, those intermediate routes. And I really think that for the same reason that you think Kyle Hamilton is going to be a game changer, I think that Jeremiah Wusukormoa could be because that's going to be in his wheelhouse of where he's dropping into coverage. Mm-hmm. And I think that Clark Lee is going to use him uh, as a blitzer. I think mm-hmm. he's going to use him dropping into coverage. I think he's going to be all over the field too. I mean, yeah. look, those two guys are bookends of this defense, right? One's going to be on one side. One's going to be on the other. One's going to be deep. One's going to be shallow, whatever. They're going to use those two. And there's going in, to be times where they bring them on blitzes from the same right. field. And let's pick your poison. Absolutely. At least it, I they're hope. They're going to be used in conjunction with each other, right? And so I don't think you're wrong to go in either direction with these two guys uh, because they're both game changers. And we've mm-hmm. said it a million times, in big games, you need your studs to be studs. And mm-hmm. if they're going to win this game, Jeremiah Wusukormo and Kyle Hamilton both have to be studs. They're both mm-hmm. going to have great ball games if Notre Dame wins this game, period, yeah. end of discussion. So yeah. I don't think you can go wrong either way. I went with Jeremiah Wusukormo. I guess I this is – potentially his last game uh there's no way he's coming back next year i would love for him to come back there's nobody that would be more excited if he came back next year but the bottom line is he's the best linebacker in the country he's a first round draft pick he's not coming back so this is the last time that those two guys are going to be able to play together Uh, and he's a great kid he's a great kid i mean not just because he's from virginia that's just it's just a bonus. It's just an added bonus. It's just a bonus. It maybe leads into why he's a great kid. <laughs> but. Yeah, right, right, right. Just see, this is another box that's checked. Right. Uh, but no, he he's gonna have he's gonna have a great great uh, game if the, if Notre Dame wins and and mm-hmm. it's gonna be fun to watch, frankly. So yeah. if Alabama wins, uh, 
if Alabama wins, there's a, a lot of different places you could go with this one. You know, Patrick Sertain is, is going to play well if they win. Uh, you know, there's different levels. I went up front, and I went with Christian Barmore. <laughs> what are you laughing about? Great pick, Vince. Great pick. Oh, no, you went the same way. Mm-hmm. No, look, let, let me explain my reasoning. Because the games that I watched uh, where he was successful, he was beating the ever-loving snot out of the center position, uh, pushing them back, making plays. And where Notre Dame is it, it struggles, if they're going to struggle, it's because Ian Book can't step up into the pocket. When he escapes the pocket successfully, it's him going up the middle, not mm-hmm. out the side, right? So if Barmore is having a game – and he's taking advantage of Zeke Carell or Josh Lugg, whoever it's happens to be probably be Josh Lugg based on what I've what I've been so able to gather. So there you go. So, yeah. So we saw Josh Lugg in the backfield more often than he should have been uh, in the Clemson game. So if if Barmore, if 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 Alabama is successful defensively, that means they're shutting down Ian Book. That means they're mm-hmm. keeping him in the pocket. They're not letting him scramble. I think that a lot of pressure gets it gets put up front. Uh, Barmore is second on the team in sacks. He's got six sacks. Uh, he's got a bunch of tackles for loss. The kid's good. He's strong. Yeah. Uh, it's not hard to get under the frame of a six-seven center, uh, and so that might potentially. And he's listed at six-five, but he's he's surprisingly good at winning the pad level battle for a six-five guy. Far more, I'm talking about. Right, and he's already two inches shorter than Josh Lugg, so right. that that helps in that regard. So, if Alabama is successful the way I think they could be successful, and the way that they will have to be to shut down Notre Dame's D or offense. I think Barmore is going to have one heck of a game. Yeah, I agree. I think I don't think it's going to be Patrick Sertain because if Alabama wins in the way that we think that Alabama will win, if if that in that scenario, Ian Book's not going to throw it at Patrick Sertain. It's going to be the whole point. He's right. not going to throw it. He's not going to. Right. When Ian Book doesn't play well, he rarely makes. He rarely turns the ball over because he just he won't take those chances. He, he just holds on to the ball. Right, and when he does turn it over, it's like over the middle of the field kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I don't. I don't see that being the thing, um, you know, where it's Patrick Sertain because uh, because of that. I, I don't think their linebackers or guys are going to make a ton of plays. It's going to be because Alabama's winning at the line of scrimmage. I mean, they're and it's up the middle, like you said. And and yeah. you know, Will Anderson may make a sack or two, but it's going to be just that domination of Christian Barmore. And you talked about you know the quarterback aspect of it, and that makes a lot of sense. But for me, it, it, it's it's the run game. It's if Notre Dame gets whipped in the middle uh, in the run game, then they're just not going to be able to get it going. And they have to be able to run the football against Alabama. They have to. Yep. And so um, that's the bigger concern for me. Sure. Is that stopping the run game is then going to set him up for the impact plays in the pass game. Yep. Uh, and, and that's where I think what you talked about, where he's a really good power rusher. That's the, the kind of stuff that – that Clemson did to Notre Dame, that those inside rushes where they beat the guard, the right guard in the center, I think are things that are, play right into Alabama's wheelhouse. Well, and he also has three pass breakups, okay? Yeah. And he's got three forced fumbles and six quarterback right. hurries. The he's a man real, is everywhere. Really, really good player. Yeah, yeah. no question. So, yeah, I, I see him being the player of the game. You know, again, that's usually not a sexy pick where, you know, he may not get the media game ball. But for me, as far as when we watch this game and say, boy, that guy, they just yeah. their inability to block that guy is why they lost. And yep. and if they win the game, we're going to point to their game plan for how to contain him and block him and play against him is, why, is a big reason why they won because Ian Book had time to throw and all that kind of stuff, you know. Sure. So, yeah, that battle up the middle. And, and I had that in my midweek musings yesterday. Uh, the battle of the Notre Dame interior – against the against the Alabama side is important. It's going to be that way on both sides of the ball. You know, I had that in my defensive midweek musings as well, where 
the most the biggest matchup I'm looking for and you know for the Notre Dame defense is right up the middle. Yeah. If they can win that battle right up the middle, they're going to have a chance to, you know, be competitive. If they yep. don't, they're going to get blasted because Alabama's going to run all over them. And the same thing is true on the other side of the ball. If Notre Dame can be successful up the middle it, with their run game and protection, then the offense is going to have a shot as long as Ian Book's doing what he's capable sure. of. So yep. I think it's hard to not go with Christian Barman. There's a lot of good players, Will Anderson Jr., Dylan Moses, Christian Harris. Um, you know, I could see one of the safeties making a big pick in the game that they get the game ball because a lot of times that'll go to a guy who makes the yeah, big play. Sure. But I think the most dominant player, if Alabama wins on defense, will be will be Christian Barmore. Yep. Couldn't have said it better myself. So that's going to put a bow on all of our pre-talk for the Alabama-Notre Dame game. And it is – well, it's game time, Brian. That That's yeah. really what it is. It's game yeah. time. We get to see what actually happens. We've talked about it a bunch. Now it's time to put the money where the mouth is and see what Notre Dame can do against the number one team in the country. And frankly, whatever happens, I love watching Notre Dame football. And if this is the last game of the season, it's going to be a very sad day for me because we'll have to wait till spring ball. And who knows if we're going to be able to watch any of that. So, yeah, you know, th this could very well be the last game before the September 5th tilt uh, in Tallahassee against Florida State. And this team for Notre Dame is going to look a heck of a lot different than they do uh, on January 1st. So there's going to be a lot to talk about. a lot about. of the names we've talked about in the show as being so important to Notre Dame winning are not going to be on the team. <laughs> they gone. And that's one of the things I love about college football. It's, yeah, new, me too. it's such a new team every year. Me and, too. Uh, but hopefully this team has a – hopefully we're sitting here about eight or nine days. Absolutely. Having a similar conversation about how we think Notre Dame is going to match up against Clemson or Ohio State. So Clemson. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, it's well, their offensive coordinator is not going to be in the game now. It's like every break Ohio State can catch, they're catching. <laughs> oh, you know, it just drives me nuts. Team. They're still not a good football team. I'm sorry. But anyway, so that's going to do it for us. That's going to put a bow on it. Uh, make sure you stay locked in to IrishBreakdown.com, especially during the game for our game day chat. Uh, Brian and I will be putting our thoughts and, and, and as to what's going on down in Dallas at the Rose Bowl. And, uh, and then we'll have, uh, you know, all of our post-game stuff, too. We, we might even do uh, a post-game reaction. We'll see how we're feeling once this game is over. So, uh, for Brian If Notre Dame wins, maybe look for one. If Notre Dame loses, <laughs> I will not be in the mood. <laughs> you and I are both so, – you and I do not do well when Notre Dame mm -hmm. loses. Uh, I, I would just be so grumpy. And that's yeah. why I feel like I do, I do better with writing because I can, I can proofread it and then say, sure. yeah, that came across really mean. <laughs> let me let me let me proof that and make that more coachy talk as as opposed to yeah it's a garbage call <laughs> i you know whereas if i'm doing it live it's going to be just like what Look. this guy's an idiot and it'll be very unprofessional and you know where where you and i used to work a long time ago they would do those post game shows and i just i was like i'll never ever do something <laughs> like that and i especially after now of course the the i would be of right mind uh, doing that, but it would definitely, it just, for me, it's like, if they lose, it's just, I'm not, I'm, I'm just not the kind of person that can just sit there calmly and well, like the during the game, you and I talk the whole time, obviously, mm -hmm. whether it's on the chat or in text or whatever. And, but when the game is over and if Notre Dame has lost and this goes back, you know, to the ACC championship or even, you know, past years, it's like one word answers. Like you and mm -hmm. I do not do well yes. if Notre Dame no. loses. So yes, I'm pissed. I get that. <laughs> Right. So and, and that's what I like about the writing aspect of it. Cause the writing <laughs> is less emotional. Sure. It's more analytical, more thoughtful, you know, the yeah. game observations that I put out after the game. So I feel like that calms me down. 
So yeah. by the time I walk out of the stadium, I'm in a calmer place. But like if we did like an immediate post game reaction to Notre Dame losing a playoff game, it it would it well. would come across as more of like a fan type of reaction than it Absolutely. would an analysis. And that's kind of why I'm hesitant to ever I got you. Hey, it's all good. See, I put it out there and then we had a nice little chat about wins it. I can be professional. Hey, you know, here they did this and this worked out well. I don't get like super <laughs> like excited fanboy when they win. It's just like, yeah. okay, let's go do it, do the <clears> job. But when they lose, I get really um I get upset too. Uh, unnecessarily yeah, I critical. I, I get think, it. Is what I, I do when it. I talk, not so much when I write. I feel like I can, you know, that's why I say there's no edit button with my mouth. You know, it's like, it's, I said it, can't take it back. Got me um, in a lot of trouble in the past. Yeah. Writing, so. I can look and say, yeah, I should probably, um, yeah. I should, like, I, I, if, I, if I could tell you about some of the tweets that I've typed out, and then I'm like, nah, I'm not going to send that. <laughs> you know? Um, that's fair it's a much better thing that's fair anyway, so thank you all for joining us thank you absolutely. all for being with us we really appreciate it this has been such a, a a strong finish to the year for us uh when it comes to our site growing and, and we're really looking forward to you guys staying with us in the off season because win or lose we're going to have a lot next week if it's a win we're getting ready for the national title game we'll talk about what the implications of this win would mean for the notre dame program if they lose we're going to dive right into where is Notre Dame as a program? If they lose at a close game, what kind of what that meant for Notre Dame and how this is a positive step for Notre Dame. If they get whooped, we're gonna talk about that too. Yep. And then we'll dive right into our our postseason analysis of this Notre Dame team. We'll do our postmortem and then we'll start talking about where is Notre Dame as a program. So win or lose on Saturday, come back to Irishbreakdown.com. Make sure you stay locked into our podcast because we are gonna have plenty of content. We are not off-season people. There is no offseason. It is – we are talking Notre Dame football year-round, and and uh, we appreciate you all. And with the new year coming up, you know, I think, Vince, about kind of where we were about eight months ago with the site, and you and I having conversations about, well, I don't know if we're going to make it, man, because of everything going on. And now to see our site growing two, 300% from where it was, um, it's appreciated. And and I feel certainly feel blessed that you all have – been a part of what we're doing here at Irish Breakdown. And, and um, you know, Vince, I appreciate you and all you're doing. But uh, uh, hopefully we've got, we've got another one of these upcoming game breakdowns here next week. But if not, absolutely appreciate you all being, being with us through what has been the weirdest season of my Ever. life. Ever. <laughs> Certainly. So, um, but anyway, thanks, everybody. And Vince, thanks for, uh, for being a part of this with me, man. I really appreciate it. Yes, sir. Truly. Thank you. So for Brian Driscoll, I'm Vince D'Addario. We will talk to you next time on Irish Breakdown Podcast.
This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.